0: Good evening, Great Baptist Church and other folks. We do welcome you here to our church service tonight. I hope you're in prayer for tonight that God will speak into your heart what he would have you hear, what he would have me hear and what he would have me share with you based on the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, open to the book of Daniel chapter 4. You want to keep your Bible open. There's 37 verses in this chapter. We are not going verse by verse, but we are going to walk through this verse because you find in this passage of Scripture here a tremendous story that I see because you find here King Nebuchadnezzar, a wicked pagan king who comes to faith in Almighty God. Here is a man that, that is a leader, that was a, a, a vile man. He, he destroyed Jerusalem, took the captives away. And, and here we find in this chapter, he meets the Lord Jesus Christ, not Christ, but he meets Almighty God as his Savior. And we'll see that just momentarily. But if you look in verse 2, I want to read this for you. It says, I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought towards me. Let's go to the word, Lord in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this evening. I pray, God, you speak your truth. Help us to understand, to make application. Father, use this night for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the universal traits of human nature is an unwillingness to listen to warnings. And we're living in a season of warnings with COVID taking place all around us. We've been given warnings to do this, not to do that, to go here, not to go there, how we're to proceed, how we're to handle things. We're given all this information, but our human nature, we have this idea we want to resist being told what to do. Now, Associated Press ran a story several years ago about a man who simply refused to wear a seatbelt because he said, I'm in my own car and I am going to do what I want to do. He refused to wear a seatbelt even though he had been pulled over and ticketed 32 times in five years. The man spent a small fortune trying to exercise and prove that he had the right to do what he wanted to do. And the sad part of how this story ended with this man was he was in a traffic wreck and because he did not have his seatbelt on, he was thrown into the steering wheel and it took his life. We don't like being told what to do. And yet God in his love and his mercy, he has given us the word of God to tell us what to do, how to live. Another story showed that that, that a medical survey pointed out that 600,000 people have open heart surgery every year in America. 600,000. And doctors, they implore these individuals, once you have had this surgery, this bypass, you need to do some things and adjust your lifestyle, adjust your behavior you need to stop smoking, you need to stop drinking, you need to stop eating as much, you need to start exercising. But according to the survey, 90% of open-heart surgery survivors change nothing. Now, doesn't that stun you? Why, when we act as we act? Because we don't like being told anything because we think we are competent ourselves. We don't want to admit that we have made a mistake, that we have failed. We definitely don't want to admit that we are sinners in the eyes of God. But here you find in this passage the most powerful king, the most powerful ruler of that day, of that time, he comes before God and he makes an admission of Almighty God. But it wasn't until after he had a head-on collision, my friends, and the discipline of God in his life that he made this confession. And and that's what happened when you start looking at uh, Daniel chapter four. Now look what it says in verse one and two. Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all the people, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought towards me. He's getting ready to tell us his personal testimony of how he came to faith in Almighty God. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. He starts to lay out the details. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I was hanging out, minding my own business, just doing my own thing, and all of a sudden, verse five, I saw a dream which made me afraid. What do we call dreams that make us afraid? He had a nightmare. He got shook up because God began to speak to him in such a fashion, and he didn't understand it. Now, now you need to understand this. In chapter one, Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, the, the Babylonian names, They are 15 years old, give or take a few years. By the time you get to chapter 4, Daniel is about 55 years of age, give or take a few years. So Daniel has been ministering in the kingdom in Babylon for some 35 to 40 years. He has given a positive, influential testimony of Almighty God. But but for whatever reason, Nebuchadnezzar has never paid any attention to what has been said in that time. But he's had an opportunity. But he's had a nightmare. I had a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore made a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. See, see, Daniel had been elevated in his rank as one of the wise men of Babylon. He was what we would call the magi. And then came the magicians, the astrologers, and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. Now, It says in verse 8, but at last Daniel came. Why was Daniel at last? Well, well, maybe he was giving the the local boys an opportunity to do what needed to be done. Maybe he was giving them a chance to, to interpret the dream so that this... Hebrew slave who's been in the kingdom out successfully giving wisdom out in counsel would have to come and do that. But that's what happened. But at last Daniel came. Now see, this is another interesting one. He's using his Hebrew name Daniel here. He, he says, at last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belshazzar. That was the Babylonian name he was given. According to the name of my God, and at whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before he I told the dream, say. See, see, during this time of ease, during this time of prosperity of his kingdom, he starts getting a disturbing dream. Do you understand God uses all kinds of things to get your attention? He uses all kinds of things to get my attention. And in this case, he used a dream. And then when his own help couldn't help him, he brought in a man of God. He brought in a man who lived and served Almighty God to give him an interpretation of what was being said. He hadn't called Daniel in 35 years probably. He hadn't had to have an audience with him for a long time. But then when he brings him in, he starts to express he is Daniel. He gave an acknowledgement that he was Daniel. And look what it says in verse 9. O Belshazzar, master of the musicians, he's the the head, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee and no secret trouble of thee. Do you see the testimony of Daniel at this time? He's living in a pagan land. He's living as a slave. Even though he has been successful in his position, they acknowledge he's a man of God. Do people acknowledge and realize in your life and where you live that you are a man of faith? You are a woman of faith. You are a person who lives for the kingdom and for the glory of God. He says, tell me the visions of my dream that I've seen and the interpretation thereof. Now look what it says. In, Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. Now, now verses ten to fifteen tells us what he saw. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and the height thereof was great and the tree grew and was strong and the height thereof reached unto heaven and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth and the leaves thereof were fair and the fruit thereof much and it was meat for all the beast of the field had shadow under it and the fowl of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof and all flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon the bed and behold a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven and he cried aloud and he said thus shew down the tree and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves scatter his fruit, let the beast get away from under it and the fowls from his branches nevertheless leave the stump of his roots in the earth even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field and let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beast and the grass of the earth See, everything in this passage is in reference to a tree. And as he's referencing this tree, he's realizing this tree represents me because I am the one that is flourishing. I am the one that is prospering. I am the one that is growing. But all of a sudden, it comes to an end. And the statement says, cut down the tree. Now, now put yourself in Daniel's position. This king had a temper. Do you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They would not bend their knee before the idol that was put up there in the plain of Duras. They would not bend their knee. And and he he said, put them in the fiery furnace. So so here it is, he said, tell me what this dream means, and you're having a way out. Now you're a king with a bad temper. If I start telling you what this dream means, you're gonna fly off hot with me, and no telling what's gonna happen. But Daniel's a man of God, he stood on the word of God. He did not compromise. He said, here's what's going to happen. Look what it said in verse 16. Let his heart be changed from a man's and let a beast's heart be given unto him and let seven times pass over him. Seven times would be seven years. Something's gonna happen in your life, bad, for seven years. Now you could go anywhere you want to with the seven years, but think about this. And so so, so here it is. The matter is by the decree of the watchers, the angelic beings, and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high, the reason this is going to happen to you is that those who are living, those who are in Babylon, this pagan land, those who are living, they're going to know that the most high rules over Nebuchadnezzar rules over the mightiest king of the earth and that he gives to whomever he wills and he sets up over the basis of all men. See, see God's still on the throne even through everything we're going through and he raises up and he sets down. I don't understand that always because in my human fleshly mind, I think we need to be raising up godly men and I think we need to be raising up godly women and you need to be setting out all these ungodly across the world. But God has a plan and God is on his throne and God knows what is best and I have to submit to what God's word says. And God sometimes chooses to allow people in position of leadership rulers that does not make sense to me but I don't have to make it making sense to me. It's about me yielding to Almighty God. Now look what it says. Verse 18, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belshazzar, declare the interpretation for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you're able. Do you understand the testimony of Daniel? For 35 years, he's proven faithful. For 35 years, he's proven consistent. The wise men, the other wise men there in the capital could not help but you're able for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Now he had a struggle with polytheism as King did because he said the word gods but he recognized the fact that the spirit of of God was in Daniel and then Daniel whose name was Belichick was astonished for one hour. I would love it just to take one hour for me to figure this out. But Daniel, it was for an hour, and his thoughts troubled him. Why? Because I've got to tell a king who's got a bad temper a word that is not positive and pleasing. I've got to tell a king that that, that, that had put my Hebrew friends in a fiery furnace a thought that was not pleasant or pleasing. So look what it says. And the king said unto Belshazzar, Let not the dream or the interpretation therefore trouble thee. And Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. Now, wait a second. Why didn't he say, King, you're getting ready to get what you deserve? He said, No. He said, My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. And the tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached into the heaven, the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the bees of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowl of heaven had their habitation. It is you, O king. I think the king knew that. I think the king had already figured out he was the one in the dream that also got cut down but it says, Thou art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reaches unto heaven and the dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with dew of heaven and let his portion be with the beast of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretational king. This is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King. Here's what he said, verse 25. That they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven. Seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth to whomever he will. God's in control. God works. And his ways are not my ways. His ways are not your ways. His ways are so much higher than our ways. And he's saying, God is in control and you're in his hand whether you want to acknowledge it or you want to admit it or not. And so so he says, you have to realize here's what's going to happen. And so he gives this interpretation And he comes down and he's saying verse 26, and whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree, the roots, the kingdom shall be sure indeed after thou shalt have known the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee. Now you know how this story goes. He becomes like a wild animal for seven years. But see, Daniel just gave him this, but look what it says in verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Here's what Daniel said. King, stop sinning and repent. Now, isn't that a message that needs to be heard by many Stop sinning and repent. The only way you're going to do righteousness is by the very living God living inside your life. Repent. Turn to God. Turn from your sin and yield to him. It says, by showing mercy to the poor, if it be a living of thy tranquility. And all this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. He heard the word. Nothing changed in his life. Nothing changed in his behavior. Nothing changed in his attitude. And here we find the story goes, and he didn't respond. But look at verse 29. At the end of 12 months, the king is walking in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. And the king spake and said, Is not this Babylon and I have built for the house of the kingdom by the power of by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. You see where he is? He's still filled with pride. It's all about me and my. Look what I have done. And while the words were in his mouth, there fell a voice from heaven said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, say. To thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and thou shalt make thee to eat grass as oxen and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomever he will. And the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men. He did eat grass as oxen. His body was wet with dew as heaven till his hair was grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Now how would you like that to happen to your leader, your president, your king? How would a country handle that? Where's president? He's out in the field grazing. That's not a real positive thing. For seven years this took place. Now from a human perspective and a technical term, this is called zoonotropy. It's a rare disillusional disorder in which a person believes they are an animal Manifested itself in a variety of animal-like behaviors such as walking on all fours, eating grass, and communicating only through animal-like means. Now, I can't say the word again because I didn't say it right the first time, but this is what happened to the king in complete fulfillment of the, the, the prophecy that Daniel gave him interpreting the dream. Here's what's going to happen to you. But, but, but Warren Wiersbe, a great Bible scholar who just died recently, he said in this passage, whenever men and women refuse to submit themselves to God as creatures made in his image, they are in grave danger of descending to the level of animals. Amen. People apart from a living relationship with Jesus Christ are capable of anything and we submit or descend to the level of animals. Just look around our country. What do you think the animalistic behaviors are? But then you see this undeniable conversion at verse 34. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes into heaven and my understanding returned. Why? Because it was the end of the days that was told by God, that was interpreted by Daniel. God's word is true. I lifted up my eyes and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High I praised and I honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, What doest thou? Do you see what he's saying? He said, I was king of Babylon, the greatest nation in the world at that time. But I understand, there's one greater than me and his kingdom is greater than my kingdom. And it is God Almighty, the Most High. And nobody can control him. And nobody can stop him. And that's the word we need to hear today. Nobody can stop the plan of God. Nobody can thwart it. Oh, you might interrupt it for a time, but you're not going to stop what God's will is. Sometimes it's not all roses and sweet stuff. Sometimes it's tough stuff. But God is working for a greater plan. He's working for a kingdom purpose. And that's what he's announcing here as he says this statement. And it said there, all inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. That included him. He recognized he was nothing compared to God. It says in verse 36, At the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord saw to me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now look at verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth, his ways, judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. God put me back on the throne, but God is greater than me. And if you walk in pride, he says he can bring you low. Now here's the point. I believe Nebuchadnezzar was saved. It took seven years of misery it took seven years of a fulfillment of the word of God now I think I can find it over in Timothy or Titus there's a lot we speak about grace today and grace is an unmerited favor that God extends to us and we are saved by grace through faith but hear me Grace doesn't end at the moment of salvation. And you just can't go grab a little bit of grace and then go live in the way you want. Look what it says in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. What does grace do? Grace not only brings us a salvation, but grace is our teacher. It teaches us. What does it teach us? Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace teaches us discipline. And if you don't have discipline in your life to the kingdom, to the glory, to the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ, I doubt you've got the real grace of God. Because grace, according to the Bible, teaches us. It's a discipline. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar learned. He learned, I'm not all that, but the most high God he is. And he yielded to him. Father, I thank you for the day. I pray, God, you speak your word of truth into our hearts in a way that we understand and we yield to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Said be strong and courageous, it's only have no